Namaskar. Hello and welcome to P Guru's channel. I'm your host Sri Ayer. What a way to start the week. Listening to Abhijit Ayer Mitra on a Monday evening. You've had a hard Monday morning. Monday was always, you know, it's a manic Monday. But you can kick back and relax as Abhijit tries to irreverently look at everything around him and the world at large. He has just returned from a vacay of, uh, I think, Greece and Italy. And uh, first, we are going to jump right into this Agnipath controversy. And I'm going to have him talk to us a little bit about why the left liberals are angry. And, and what is the reason for that? If you look at uh, some of the uh, stories, like Hindustan Times says, Gachiroli, uh, CPIM has put up poster saying that this is not good. And then Sitaram Yachuri has taken up the cudgels. I mean, this is nonsense. These people don't seem to have any... Uh, you know, any feeling of patriotism and these lampants want to come and rule India. Well, they have been ruling India for a long time. And you should, nobody should touch them with a 100-foot pole if I were an Indian voter. But let us listen to Mr. Abhijit Ayer Doron Mitra. Abhijit, your thoughts? Did you just presume my gender and call me Mr.? Did you ascertain no, no, my I pronouns? Just... You are Mr. Abhijit Ayer Mitra. The what I see no. there, the facial hair. You, this facial you, hair, you, it is Mr. Abhijit Ayer Mitra. I, I, you're, you're resorting to toxic masculinity stereotypes, you know. It's quite unfortunate. I strongly condemn the bigotry of this program and the host. <laughs> uh, so condemn no way. Condom no way. We are we are we have a thick skin. We can take it. Anyway, so uh uh See, the first thing you have to understand is there's lots about the scheme that first directly hits their politics. Uh, you know, the, the a lot of the recruitment that used to happen used to be regional caste-based recruitment. This scheme, for the first time, breaks a lot of that. Okay. Second, it was a military job was seen as some kind of a a uh, permanent settlement, you know, that kind of luxury you get in a government job where there is no accountability and uh, zindagi ke liye job mil gaya kind of thing. It was 15 years, but still 15 years is a lot of time. It used to be seven years and it was seven years. You could maintain the uh, fighting end of the spectrum used to be young. I still think four years is a bit too little. It needs to be about six years at least. But anyway, uh, it, it is what it is. So all of this either using the army as a sort of employment scheme that it ages the army they don't care about or using it to, you know, further your kind of caste uh, uh, and regional agendas. All of this hits at their fundamental core. This is one aspect of it. The second aspect of it is that it affected all these training and coaching centers that came up, which is why they've been at the forefront of organizing all these riots. The third issue in all of this has been that it, the way the government communicated it, you know, you can't have these announcements happen in drips and socks. You need to present it hard. This is it. All the coordination is done. These are the pathways that you get, etc., etc. A lot of this could have been nipped in the bud had you announced it properly instead of these uh, announcements coming later on in drips and socks. The fourth aspect of it is you should have done a public consultation. A public consultation isn't about uh, the public or the consultation. It's an intelligence exercise where you are asking, you are gauging the mood of the people for this change. You are seeing where the fault lines lie. You are seeing where, where is this going down worse? Where is it going down better, etc., etc. And you prepare your responses accordingly. So all up, it's a fairly decent scheme. Were there certain things that could have been done better? Yes. So, for example, the way in which <coughs> they announced arbitrarily 21 years, ignoring the people that had written it for the last two years, essentially, uh, you know, wiping the slate clean for the people who had written the army entrance for the last, taken the army entrance for the last two years, that needed to be changed. Uh, uh, they changed it. That's fine. Uh, but overall, it's a pretty damn good scheme. Now, the fifth problem in all of this is that you've essentially given license for everybody to protest every single reform that comes about because of the way you handled the farm riots, the Nupur Sharma riots, the uh, uh, 
uh, the uh, uh, CANRC riots, the way you caved on uh, uh, one rank, uh, uh, one pension and all of that. When you present a weak image, you're essentially inviting a rioting. So in many ways, the government actually invited this. And that's that. Thank you very much, Abhijit. And viewers, there was one video with uh, Lieutenant General Ravi Shankar that we aired on Saturday night at 8 p.m. Do watch that. We are putting the link to that in our description for this video because he came up with something similar to what Abhijit is echoing. He has done. He He's an experienced army person. So he had three slaps, five, seven, and nine. And he said the retrenchment can be 15 to 25 percent at each stage. That way people don't feel like they are, you know, uh, you know, threatened all the time. So some very good suggestions. And I asked him about the fiscal impact of his idea versus the, he calls it modified Agnipath. So he said that at the beginning, his may be front loaded a little bit, but in the long run, the government will save a lot of money. So this is where things stand. Uh, we are going to jump right into questions now. You've been sending us a lot of questions. May I request all of you to please like this video because we want to have a gangbuster of a session. We missed last week. Abhijit was traveling and I want to make up for that and also try and save all your questions. Here we go. First question, please. Lone Wolf TV wants to know, since most young population of India are moving abroad, do you think in two decades it would increase rapidly and will India suffer from this economically? Hmm. Uh, they're not moving abroad. Most people can't move abroad. Remember, it's the people we invest the most in who move abroad. But even then, is that investment actually worth it? I think not. It's your entire system is set up to disincentivize talent and entrepreneurship. And this is what you're going to get. We've been suffering from the same thing for the last 50, 60 years. Has it really affected us? No. Is it going to affect us? No. Because remember, intelligence is not entirely genetic. Most of it is epigenetic. So if you're losing some smart people, is the guarantee there that their kids are going to be smart? You look at 90% of the Indians in America, their kids are absolute blithering idiots. Present company excluded, of course. Uh, uh, right. So you look at all these... <laughs> Did you see steam coming out of my ears? <laughs> yeah. So, so do you see all these uh, jackass second generation Indians in the Democrat Party shitting on their own country, writing crap about their own country? Uh, at the same time, how is it that we manage to keep producing such brilliant minds in India every now and then? So remember, intelligence is an epigenetic thing as well. There is genetic intelligence, but there is also epigenetic intelligence. A lot of it depends on the stimulus that you get. You know, a genius brought up by monkeys will behave like a monkey. On the other hand, even a mediocre person brought up by geniuses, if they're good parents, assuming, can end up becoming a very solid, maybe not genius, but they learn to connect things in a way which could trigger genius. So I'm not particularly worried about this. Uh, there's a biographic uh, about Nikolai Tesla uh, that's available on, online. I don't know which uh, channel is showing it. Do watch that. It's, it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. And he talks about his inspiration and his inspiration was his mother who was illiterate. But he said she was really, really, really smart. So just telling you, there is there is mm -hmm. an illiteracy. Being able to study is just one aspect of it. There's an innate intelligence that each of us possesses. Next question, please. You know, getting great marks is not the only sign of genius. No? Uh, uh, remember, uh, Ramanujam failed all his other exams. He only used to be very good at maths. Uh, next, Kanda Batata, I think. Yeah, Kanda Batata wants to know, is Dubai a good place to live in the future? Will its real estate suffer the same fate as China? No, Dubai is a very good place to live, boss. Uh, <coughs> see, it's... Uh, the real estate market, I'm always a bit cautious about. But see, you don't go just by real estate. You look at the business environment there. Extremely low interest, uh, fantastic business opportunities. You don't get taxed. Okay, uh, there's so much. You come there, you're just given land. The business environment is so friendly. Do you know how many businesses, most Israeli businesses are now looking at moving to Dubai? Because they can't deal with the high cost of living. And, you know, Tel Aviv is obscenely expensive. In Dubai, you can still lead a very good life on not too much money. So there's a lot of stuff happening there in Dubai, which is highly sustainable. Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi is much more sure-footed. Abu Dhabi was the slow, was the turtle in the race, but that doesn't mean 
uh, Dubai was the rabbit in the race, but outside of real estate. Okay, though I do believe that real estate in Dubai is sustainable, more or less. Uh, notable exceptions, but more or less it is sustainable. Uh, you're looking at something fairly good. The unsustainable part is the garbage system. Because, you know, even now when you shit in Dubai, there, it doesn't automatically go into a filtration plant. There's a truck there waiting to collect your shit and it takes it to a filtration plant. So there's chota chota things like that, but that is not collapse level. Next question, please. Again, Kanda Batata. Will arming teachers with guns solve the school shooting issue? This is US, I think. Mm, yeah. <laughs> no, it really isn't. It isn't. But see, the issue is a psychological one. Canada and Switzerland have a much higher rate of per capita gun ownership than America. You don't see gun shootings happening out there. No? So it's it's one of those things unique to American society that American society needs to find a solution for. There is an argument to be made that not having guns will reduce the lethality of these school attacks. Of course. Uh, but as will arming teachers with guns and having security protocols around schools, having bulletproof glass and barred doors and things like that. Sure. But you want to turn your schools into places where uh, you get frisked every day. Not a bad idea. You know why? Because having a security culture where you where you naturally get frisked and things like that isn't a bad idea at all. Uh, there are some other psychological impacts that it securitizes everything, but it is what it is. Uh, there's no easy solution to this. Also, viewers, uh, we need to remember one thing. Because of the BLM, one of the offshoots was what is called as defund movement, defund the police. And, and many departments have actually shrunk. So the number of people, number of police patrolling the streets is far lesser now. I heard a, a reduction across US of as much as 30%, 3-0. So fewer people and they are more sensitive to how people are looking at their action. So what happened? You don't do anything. See, th these are all some of the challenges that the police is facing in US. And now suddenly the Democrats have re realized that. And they have told the uh, progressives where they can go and take their ideas. Some of them still try to push their ideas. But I think there is a balance coming through. Unfortunately, it will be too late. And I think Biden is going to lose both the House and the Senate. Thanks. Next question, please. Uh, Aditya wants to know, Aditya B., how probable could it be that these protests have a foreign hand and why do you think so? Mm, no, they, they don't have a foreign hand, except that you have a whole set of people who, uh, I think th uh, today, uh, the uh, Hawkeye guy uh, on Twitter, uh, let me just check what his uh, Hawkeye and OSINT WA, uh, this guy. Uh, we can't see it. Somehow your screen froze. Oh, Can yeah. You see? Yeah. Oh, now I see. Oh, open source intelligence. Yeah, 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 yeah. OSINT WA underscore com. Yeah. They've done a fantastic thread exposing all these journalism, so-called journalism awards. I want you to go check out this thread. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Okay. Yeah. It's a fantastic thread. And Hawkeye has also done a fantastic thread on it. Hawkeye is uh, this fantastic person who does a lot of amazing stuff but uh yeah there there that's better okay uh, so yeah so you can go check these two threads out and what you'll see is there's a lot of domestic media that's essentially incentivized through awards or money by a lot of these foreign players and of course our government is completely clueless on internal security you had riots started by this alt news founder zubair They've taken zero action against him, even though he's responsible for about 10, 15 deaths minimum over the last uh, two, three weeks. Uh, but this is the caliber of government. Apparently, when they wanted to take action against him, the government said no, because Zubair is a fantastic polarization mechanism that helps them with their electoral uh, prospects. So it is what it is. Uh, but you, you seem to think that the government doesn't want these protests. somehow. Why do you think that? I would say uh, the government's actually thrilled. Next. Next question, please. Aditya B again. What should be the right approach to govern India as a nation? What's missing and what should go? Accountability. 
where every single phase and every single level of government judiciary police uh, 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 bureaucrats everybody uh, are held accountable for their actions and decisions second is first principles okay uh, where there are certain first principles applied to everything such as free speech etc 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 that is the correct approach to govern a country like india next question please kapil gund wants to know what will be the impact of agnipath on short service commission they two completely different thing short service commission is for officer level this is for non commissioned uh, ranks uh, the fighting ranks so two different things <clears throat> next one please kapil gund again what will agnipath training include in navy and air force surely they cannot get flying training true we don't know exactly the roles haven't been defined yet but it's mostly going to be auxiliaries and support uh, staff mr lee wants to know do you still believe that west is being nupurgate was a conspiracy theory even after three four videos by sri ayer outlining alternate hypothesis what is your reading of the issue now uh, conspiracy theory how boss i mean what do you mean i still believe i didn't believe it was a conspiracy theory but i don't know what this question is okay uh, i think he is assuming that you saw some of my videos i've done some database analysis and if you have not seen it then you probably can't answer this thing let it go um mr lee wants to know again why do some defense personnel keep defending the martial races based regimentation one even said that jawans have no inherent patriotism and fight for clan first above others is this true no it really isn't and your martial races is such an outdated theory i think uh, the first person to disprove it was uh, subhash chandra bose because bengalis were considered a martial race no and raj bihari bose and subhash chandra bose proved them wrong even today you look at it technically bengalis were considered cowards they weren't meant to be in the army but you look at uh, i think the third or fourth highest intake is from bengal <laughs> in numbers Uh, either numbers or percentages, so I don't know, but uh, one of those. So check. So no, uh, th- this is something that's just been drilled in. It was uh, rejected long back. There's nothing we can do about it. It is what it is. Next question, please. Aryan Singh wants to know why only United States has done more invitations in information age as compared to other more. Not it's not invitations. I think it's inventions. There are other developed countries, UK, France, Japan. Japan is it because of their education system? More invitations and information. No, no, it's inventions, inventions, inventions. Okay, in information. Uh, okay, inventions as compared to other developed countries. Yes, of course, it's their education system. It's because they invested people. See, all countries invested in their primary education system. Nehru, like an idiot, uh, invested in the. uh second in the tertiary education and second not even tertiary mostly in secondary education so this has become a huge problem unless you sort it out and even when you sort it out you go in for this uh uh, uh you know uh uh, uh, uh this new education policy which theoretically is meant to do what we did not do over the last 70 years which is teach our kids problem solving now where the money see it's very easy to pick up jargon and say oh we're going to teach the kid problem solving okay but first problem solving requires a lot of money it requires a low teacher to student ratio you need 20 students to one teacher maximum you need a huge outlay of money to do that paisa kahan se aa raha hai teachers kahan se aa rahe apni teachers ki aukat dekhi hai tumne okay so even now uh the new education policy is fantastic on paper till you ask the question where is the money and where are the teachers and what is the caliber of those teachers who is going to teach the teachers but yes it's it it all comes from uh, it, it fundamentally stems from an education system but also from your business environment see an education system is the beginning of it there's also sheer probability and ratio right every country is going to produce geniuses india produces geniuses in spite of our education system that's just ratio 1.3 billion people you're bound to have geniuses in spite of your education system 
Other countries will have geniuses because of their education system. Take the Israeli system, which produces more than its fair share of geniuses. Then you have the business environment, which is what enables those geniuses to see fructification of ideas and creates a market for ideas and innovation. Next question, please. Ishan Sharma wants to know, will the BJP get benefit of these ridiculous protests in the upcoming state elections along with Lok Sabha elections? I doubt that very much. Huh? I'm not seeing anything pro or anti. I'm, I'm not seeing anything particularly anti-BJP and I'm not seeing anything particularly pro-BJP either. Uh, everybody that I'm seeing is just kind of uh, upset with the BJP for doing nothing and sitting and well, playing the manjira really on the sides. Next question from Mr. Lee. We trained both Mukti Bahini and LTT and both were highly effective. Why do some retired and serving personnel complain that four years is insufficient training? How do reservists train in USA? Okay, remember there's a big difference between what the Mukti Bahini and the LTT did. They already had knowledge of their own land. They came from a very small part of territory, uh, which did not have great uh, geographic or climactic variation. Uh, and their entire job was to learn to defend. Training a military is very different. You have very diverse roles. You have to go attack, etc., 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 all kinds of things like that. So four years, I'm sorry, is extremely inefficient, especially with a modern army where the technology quotient is so much higher. If you want to train a guerrilla force, sure, four year, two years is enough, even less. Uh, you know, the way Ukraine is doing conscripts, you learn how to fire a javelin or uh, against a tank or a stinger missile against an aircraft. Uh, you know how to take basic commands. You're taught directions. You can finish that off in three to four weeks of uh, uh, basic training. As long as you have the satellite intelligence and things telling you what is coming where, which the U.S. is providing the Ukrainians, uh, you can train up a guerrilla force. The point is, this is not, we're not talking about a guerrilla force. We're talking about an extremely diverse geography, extremely diverse climactic and operational range, extremely diversified set of requirements, logistical requirements, uh, fighting requirements, uh, which require completely different kinds of training. Oh, by the way, your viewers, I'm going to be releasing a database look at what uh, Abhijit just alluded to stingers and javelins and the uh, how U Ukraine is preparing for war. Uh, do look out for it. It will air tomorrow around 11 o'clock. It's almost ready. It will be airing tomorrow at 11 o'clock. It is more a US-centric view because I, I'm looking at a lot of US data. But important thing there is how did Ukraine prepare its population in two weeks to go fight a war? That is the takeaway there. Next question, please. Ishan Sharma again. What's your predictions for the UK federal elections after Bojo survived his no-confidence motion? Look, he'll win again for the same reason. Modi is going to come back with a thumping majority. Yeah, yeah. Which is the opposition are a bunch of chimpanzees. It's that simple. Balaji PV wants to know. Hi, Abhijit and Sri Ayer. Question for both of you. If at all you support the Hindu Rashtra demand, what would be an ideal framework for such a policy? You go first, Sri. Listen, India is already a Hindu Rashtra. There is nothing different. The fact that we have ingrained in all of us Sarva Dharma Samabhava, treat all religions alike, all religions lead to God. The problem is not us. The problem is the other. The problem also is that they provoke you and when you retort, they go into this victimhood game. Now you have to stand firm, which is what I felt the US, Indian government did not do in the case of Nupur Sharma. And, and this is where it needs to stop. We are trying hard, both Abhijit and I, we are trying hard to set right some of these outrage narrative. And it is beginning to take feet. I mean, it's going to begin to hold its ground. We are able to, like, for example, you should watch some of our videos where we are supporting some of the Hindu American candidates who are running for Congress and other state elections and how the IAMC funded out, outfits are going hammer and tongs at them, trying to throw all sorts of mud. And we are countering them fairly effectively. You're going to see a change, a difference in the way things uh, play out in the November election. The point I'm trying to make is 
the Hindus also have, I think, reached a tipping point now. They realize that some of the things, some of the warnings that we've been giving are indeed true. And, and somebody cannot put their religion above their nationality. If that were the case, then all of them can go to Saudi Arabia and Iran. Who's stopping them? Let them take. You know, all the proselytizing and moralizing that the Middle Eastern countries do, they will not take a single refugee of their faith. Why is that? Why should it be the burden of the Western countries? Ask this question. Your, your turn, uh, Abhijit. See, uh, are you still on the chat, Balaji? In which case, I'm monitoring the this thing. I want you to type a specific answer if you want to make this a two-flow. What specifically is it that you want from the Hindu Rashtra? What do you think declaring a Hindu Rashtra is going to change? Is it going to improve the IQ of the average uh, 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 minister in the Modi cabinet? No. Uh, is it going to get rid of the incompetence and uh, capriciousness of the judiciary? No. Is it going to make your police force more reliable and less corrupt? No. Uh, is it going to make your average uh, person more educated? No. Uh, is it going to make your policies more... Uh, 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 your economic policy is more industry friendly and responsive to investor needs. No. What exactly, Balaji, is it? Because this is my first question when somebody asks me about Hindu Rashtra. What is it that you think that declaring a Hindu Rashtra is going to change? Uh, so, this is an open you... question to all. One second. This is an open question to all our viewers. I want you to tell me what exactly is it that you think it is going to change? Uh, because uh, to date, nobody has been able to tell me this. Uh, uh, viewers, if you want to uh, give in your comments, put a hashtag HR for Hindu Rashtra and then type in your comments and we will pick them up. This question is parked on the site. So, As and when so, Balaji, so wait, Bal Balaji answered. I agree with all your arguments. Want to know your views. My view is this. My view is very simple, boss. My view is what unless it is going to affect things for the better, it's something you don't need. So tell me one thing that it will make better. Because that my way of answering this question is a counter question. You tell me what it helps improve. Because I can tell you honestly, even if you are a Hindu Rashtra, the Congress will still bring about a communal violence bill which will blame Hindus for the bill. Hindus, it is Hindu Rashtra, therefore Hindus have extra responsibility. They'll spin it that way. Will it stop appeasement of minorities and uh, 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 the uh, sort of uh, screwing over Hindus? No. All the state governments will continue to do it because that is the way the powers of the center and the state are negotiated. So again, I am asking you, stop getting into all this crappy, oh, this will solve it. I want you to get into the atomic details. What exactly do you think it will solve? Okay, so the next time this question comes up, I'm not going to answer it because I want specifics on what you think, what any one of you think it's actually going to solve. The next question, please. Mandar Karnik, the socialist mindset is a problem in India for implementing reform. What is the solution for bringing about a mindset change? Wealth. Wealth and showing the tangible benefits of capitalism. It should have been done through industrialization. It was not. So there's nothing you can do about it. Because right now, everybody is in parasite mode. See, you never industrialized. All your reforms were half-hearted. Narsimha Rao's reforms were half-hearted. Atal Bihari's reforms were half-hearted. Never carried through. You never really had the... Even Atal Bihari Vajpayee didn't carry out the uh, true second wave of reforms that we required at that point of time. So if you've grown up, it's like stench. If you grow up in a public toilet, you think the public toilet is the way everything smells. Till you go into a rose garden. But when will you go into a rose garden when everything around you, you you're, when you're surrounded by public toilets? So you have to show how industrialization can change people's lives. That is when people start believing in things. 
Okay. Uh, unfortunately, in this country, nobody is willing to do that. Uh, Modi is doubling down on socialism. Everything is state-sponsored, state-driven. It is what it is. You Basically, the problem is, think of yourself as a father with 10 kids. Two of your kids are extremely talented. The remaining eight are absolute morons. The problem is, no father can ever tell his eight moron kids that they're morons and he's only going to invest in the education of the top two. Now, understand, the prime minister is not the father. The prime minister is a chief executive. The problem is, he wants to think he is the father. So he's behaving like that. Here's one, one thing that Indian government should really seriously think about is to abolish personal income tax. That way what happens is there are no bounds to what you can think. You, would, you wouldn't believe the extent to which the extent to which people go to try and not pay taxes. And that itself has become an industry now. What are the disagreement you have, Vijay? Uh, See, it's only one thing. There's a whole host of things going wrong. Even if you abolish personal income tax, there are so much crap happening. The, the All the screw-ups with the GST, all the regulations and things like that, the lack of accountability where anybody can come and extort you at any given point of time. You know, I think our audience needs to get over, what is this one thing? Why are all the questions here? What is the one thing you need to do to change that? Why is that one book I need to read to become a defense analyst? You don't. There is no one book. You know, this is the thing about the Gita, which says, see, what you find here, you may very well find elsewhere. It's If the Gita has the humility to say that, why don't you people have the brains to absorb that? You can't find everything in one book. This notion of one book the people who ask me for one book or one policy solutions, please convert to Islam or Christianity or Judaism. This is an Abrahamic mindset. You are unfit to be a Hindu. Hey guys, couple of things I can suggest on how to develop this habit of being able to read. Uh, there is a concept called Brahma Muhurtam that's proven. How I say it's proven? Fortune 500 companies. 60% of the CEOs are early morning persons. By 10 a.m. every working day, they've got most of their hard work done. Hard lifting is all done. After that, they are using it to just communicate with people, their vision uh, and plan other things. But their most critical thinking happens in the early morning, 4.30, one and a half hours before sunrise. You get up, you, you devote that to you know studying, whatever is the most important thing that you do in your life. Do that at that point of time and you will see the results. It's amazing. I can tell you that. Next question, please. Om Nath, what is the better country for immigrating from India for an IT professional apart from the US? Australia? UK? You're going to get stuck in the same thing all over again. In terms of lifestyle, it's probably Australia and America the best. Uh, you'll find yourself much more cloistered in, say, Israel or uh, Germany or uh, the UK. Uh, maybe think of going to Dubai. I was going to suggest that. Dubai seems to be much more open. And they are starting a lot of startups now there. And and it's, it's a small enough country that it can manage, like 24 by 7 electricity, air conditioning, good connectivity, good tax laws. See, all these things are the most fundamental underpinnings on which you can start thinking of building a company. And I believe uh, Dubai checks all those things. Next well, question. It, not everything, but it ticks a lot of boxes. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Next question, please. Ramani Kritivasan. Mr. Vijay Patel posted a thread on Twitter about the ecosystem of protest. He justifies that government is not in a position to take drastic action. What are your comments? Look, I don't take anybody who says that the government can't take drastic action against violent hooligans seriously. Okay, uh, we have... Uh, are you back? Can you hear me? Mm. Yeah, yeah. You momentarily blipped out. Maliban Bhattacharya wants to know, how were the Ottoman Turks able to rule for 800 years? 800 years, Tonita. Chess or Sunshine? 
Shesav, yeah, maybe 600. It is more like 1400 is when they, I mean, they captured Constantinople. Let's put it that way. Uh, so, see, the real Ottoman uh, supremacy only lasts about two, 300 years. Uh, the problem is you conflate everything with, everything is the Ottoman Empire. Remember, the Ottomans were defeated by the uh, uh, the Ottomans as, as uh, vassals of the Seljuk Empire were defeated by the Mongols several times, crushed by the Mongols, in fact. Then they established a kingdom, not an empire, a kingdom around uh, central Turkey, which was crushed by Timur. Okay. Uh, uh, they literally took the Ottoman em emperor in, uh, he was the king, he was the emperor at that time, in chains to uh, back to Samarkand and he died in chains in a cage uh, in Samarkand. Uh, so... Uh, I would first readjust what the Ottoman Empire actually means. The Ottomans ruled Turkey for maybe six, seven hundred years. The Ottoman Empire was more like a three hundred year phenomenon. Starts around realistically around the fourteen hundred, uh, the fifteen hundreds, realistically speaking, and ends around the sixteen, seventeen hundreds. Even by the sixteen hundreds, the backslide begins. By the 1800s, it's almost entirely finished. It was really the benevolence of the Western powers and the alignment, specifically the Anglo-French Concord against the Russians, which really preserved Ottoman Turkey. And then again, the rise of Germany that preserved Ottoman Turkey beyond that point. Other than that, sheer dumb luck. Sometimes sheer dumb luck also works in. Because remember, by the 1700s, the Ottoman army had become a joke. You know, there's that very famous tune, uh, 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 Rondo alla Turca by Mozart. Yes, yes, yes. No, that's not it. That's not it. Yes, it is. Anyway. No, no, that's not it. That's the Turkish march. I'm sorry, you're right. That's Turkish march by Beethoven. I know what the rounder thing. Yes, but, but wait, wait, wait. That's it. That's it. That's it. Let me just uh, 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 wait. Play, wait, play, wait. play, play, play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Have you liked this program yours while Abhijit brings up the uh, Ala Torka, it's called? Okay, let me play this. Can you hear it? Not yet. Can you hear it? Uh, I think it's not turned on. We we can't hear anything. Oh, okay. Wait. Let me send you the link. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can play, can play it. it. Yeah, yeah. Send send it to Sachin. He'll play it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, on email. Um. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. You're okay. getting something on your email, Sachin. Yes, Sachin. I've sent it to you. Uh. Could you please play it? When you hear it, it's very interesting. Because remember, do you know when the siege of Vienna happened? When Suleiman the Magnificent besieged Vienna? It was almost just 100 years back. Uh, when was the Ottoman siege of Vienna? Let me just check. Uh, uh, was 1529 from September to October 1529. Okay. Uh, and Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart composed this less than 200 years later. Now, it's important to know that from a point of view from an Austrian empire, the Turks used to inspire absolute terror. They could never even think of making a tune like this in 1529. Okay, so stop. Now that is very much, see that tune, it's very much similar to uh, 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 what is called uh, the Mehteran. The Mehter, uh, Mehteran are the Turkish uh, fans of the uh, uh, 
uh, uh, uh, Ottoman uh, army. And the tune, everything was based on uh, pretty much this kind of a cadence. And what would happen with this was that it was uh, essentially, it, it used to inspire terror. Let me send this as well to him so you can see what I'm talking about. Uh, it sounds different, but it's not. The uh, the metering and things like that are very similar. Sachin, I've sent you a second one. If you can play this, please. Yeah, we're keeping him busy today. Yeah, sorry, Sachin. <laughs> That's all right. We like to be on our toes. The, the the thing would be more fun if we can keep we can make you dance on your toes. It's coming up. There's a very there's a very curious question. Why are you pro gen? <laughs> Here you go. So what happens out here is that you have this used to be absolutely terrifying for uh, uh, the Austrians, Hungarians, everybody in the 1500s. By the 1700s, it had become a joke. You could literally compose music out of it. By the 1700s, the Ottoman Empire was dead. There was literally no conflict it could win at that point against a modern industrial military. Turkey never industrialized. Till Kamal Ataturk. In fact, even under Kamal Ataturk, it didn't really industrialize. Sheer dumb luck. Okay, the same reason Thailand was never colonized. Why was Thailand never colonized? Technically, Thailand should have been colonized. Sheer dumb luck. Why was the Chinese monarchy not dethroned right till 1910 or whenever when Puyi was removed from the throne? Sheer dumb luck. Sometimes the existence of these things just serves everybody's purpose and so people agree to allow it to happen. Okay, So they did not rule for 800 years. Uh, it was actually, they, they ruled Turkey for maybe 700 years. Maximum, if that, if I mean, if you're considering the whole of modern day Turkey, even that highly uh, contested. So, no. Next. Shashank Sharma wants to know Abhijit, sir, is the Ukraine Russia war triggered the government to launch Agnivir? Did we learn the right lessons? No, we haven't learned anything from the Ukraine war. So, it was definitely not. Look, you know, the level of introspection in the Ukraine war, zero. Exactly zero. So, uh, there's no point. There's literally no point. Nothing. Uh, what happens is you have a whole retiree stock circuit whose entire shindig, they don't have the brains to actually say anything. So, their entire gig depends on who they affiliate in headquarters. And they suck up to the powers or suck the powers that be, as the case may be. So, the actual introspection that is happening, zero. Golgappa. Okay. Uh, you should now be in absolute panic. I keep telling you this in spite of all of you calling me Lockheed Martin agent, Boeing agent, that Russian equipment is largely shit. But I'm a foreign agent, apparently. If by this time, you have not... And do you remember the question that was asked? You're seeing how bad Russian equipment is. Why are you still buying it? The answer was because it's cheap. This is the mindset that you have. So no, did it trigger Agnivir? No, Agnivir has been in the works since, I think, the earliest 
mention of something like this going to come out was in January or early February before the entire invasion started. Next question, please. Maliban Bhattacharya wants to know, how come Spanish slash British were able to defeat Native Americans so easily? Industrialization, boss. Native Americans were Stone Age. They hadn't even come to the Bronze Age, even on the Iron Age. They were fighting with Stone Age weapons. And the Spanish were already a literate civilization that were fighting. They, they came with gunpowder. Gunpowder versus Stone Age. Who do you think is going to win? Illiterate civilizations. The conquistadors themselves were illiterate. But they came from a literate society, which learned lessons, which knew how to communicate. There's a follow-on question that I want to take uh, 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 yeah. from the, this thing. Santosh Kumar, dear Ain, the West never had resources but lo looted from the third world to industrialize. So how can you compare them with us in terms of time taken to achieve industrialization? What, uh, what exactly, what colonies did Germany have, Santosh? What colony did Austria-Hungary have? I'm just curious. Uh, do you know all? none of Austria's colonies ever produced anything worthwhile? They had tiny, tiny colonies. They had a small colony in India near Surat. It produced nothing. The German colonies, Namibia, they produced nothing. Uh, the uh, uh, Italian colonies, Ethiopia, it produced nothing. They were never able to extract. You really need to start reading history, Santosh. Uh, and second, the only thing that you have succeeded in proving is that Indians were bloody idiots that they did not go colonize. If you're, if you're taking stupidity as a badge of honor, by all means, I, I award India the Mahamurkh Puraskar. <laughs> You be very content with the fact that you never invaded anyone. Everybody says this with great pride. We never invaded anyone. APJ Abdul Kalam says 2000 years we haven't invaded anyone. As if it's a great, it's a marker of great, uh, this thing. I'm sitting back and thinking, are you mad? And APJ Abdul Kalam of all people should have known better that 1000 years back, the Chora Empire sent a retired bloody fleet to sack the Sri Vijay Empire. There's a, there's a compass by a YouTube channel called Odd Compass on it. There's a video by, uh, by a, a YouTube channel called Odd Compass. Yeah, on yeah it. it's very good. Go check Odd it out. Compass it's very video, good. Go videos check. are very good, very good videos. It's worth 20 spending. And, and, and it was worse than any Western sacking or Roman sacking or anything. They went there, they destroyed the empire, crushed it. Namo Nishan Mitadia Thauska. Right. So again, don't. If you want to have morality, stay with your morality. Then you don't need money. Just keep saying Hari Om, Hari Om, Hari Om and think that's a substitute for a job. I'm sure saying Hari Om every day will feed your kids and things like that. Uh, I'm a CS engineer. Sachin wants to know. This is not our Sachin. I'm thinking of doing MS in the US, work for 10-20 years and come back. But after seeing things happening there, should I just bet on India and stay? No, no, no. Go off. It's still going to be a better lifestyle than it is in India. Go away. Don't come back. Go away. Don't come back. Even the worst lifestyle there for the next 50 years is still going to be better than the average lifestyle. there. Okay. Vishnu wants to know, how important is owning arms in India in future for defense? Personal ownership of weapons. Personal no ownership... Yeah. No chance, boss. No bloody chance. Learn from America's mistakes. The last thing you want is personal ownership of arms. Okay. This is a inherent built-in flaw into the system that can't be solved. In India, you don't want to create additional flaws. No bloody personal ownership of arms. Sanket Singh wants to know, absorbing Agnivirs into police could have been right? Yeah, it's being done. Next question, please. Uh, Gargi Kaul Rana wants to know, what is the point of the territorial army? Is it an effective fighting force slash reserve in the event we suffer a massive invasion? Should we disband it? 
Okay, good question, Garki. Now, see, we have too many of these auxiliary reserve, this, 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 this things. Too many PSF, uh, 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 this SF, that SF, CRPF, blah, 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 blah. There is a desperate need for consolidation right now, which they won't allow because it's a lot of money to be peddled around with everybody. Okay. Uh, so that is the fundamental one problem. The territorial army is one of those things which get called up. I think every year, two weeks or something like that, you have to, or a month or something, you have to go train, something like that. What it does is it is meant purely in case of a disaster, in case of a massive invasion, to provide auxiliary support. They do get some kind of combat training. I'm not sure if it's entirely up to modern combat standards. But in case you face a catastrophic invasion the way Ukraine is facing, they'd be very good to get trained up in things like, like shoulder-fired javelins and stingers and things like that. So no, we shouldn't disband it, but we need to have a much more comprehensive way of having a territorial army. Call it the army reserve or something like that, where you keep getting called up to lend your expertise and things like that as and when required. But look, this is a larger defense reform and rationalization that this country is crying for, which nobody is willing to do because all the officers are very cushy being in their position, sucking out government taxpayer money. Next question, please. <clears throat> Hardik Thanki wants to know, have US and NATO failed in containing Russia and Ukraine? What impact will it have on US and NATO economically and militarily? Well, Russia is also failing, but yes, America and NATO are also in a sense failing. But are they succeeding? Because just grinding down Russia helps them in their point of view or whatever. So what impact is it having on the US and NATO economically is very, very significant. Militarily, they will militarize more. Their attention will reduce on China and they will focus on Russia. So the biggest gainer in all of this is China. Economically, exactly. they're doing the same things. They're reducing tariffs now. Biden is talking about reducing tariffs, which will only help China. So they claim that China is the bigger enemy. They're certainly not acting like it. So essentially what Pakistan, China are to India. Pakistan is the recurring pain in the ass. China is the sort of amorphous long-term enemy. But we have to keep dealing with Pakistan and it diverts us from dealing with China Essentially, Russia has become NATO's Pakistan, if you want to call it that. Economically, though, it's much more devastating. And I don't think they're going to find redundancy measures very soon. Because what happens in this particular case is they have only dealt with sanctions on single product economies like Iraq, Iran, which was only oil, gas, and then, uh, 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 that kind of uh, hydrocarbon stuff. Here you're dealing with a country that is an agricultural superpower. It's a uh, 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 it's not a one-product superpower. It's a multi-product commodities, but still a multi-commodity superpower. So it's affecting literally everything down the chain for everyone. They're not dealing with it very well. You look at the kind of inflation. Biden wants to keep calling it Putin's inflation. Ultimately, when it comes to the midterms in November, do you think anybody's going to look at if Putin did it or Biden did it? The prices go up to $6 a gallon. What is it in California right now? $6.79, thereabouts. By election time, it will become about $8 a gallon. Uh, best of luck. They're not going to think about Putin. They're just going to vote against Biden. Yeah, Next question, against, please. Not against Biden. Pikachu man wants to know, can government get rid of democracy and implement Chinese way of governance? How many seats are what is required to implement it? Isn't Modi already doing that? Look, you know, the problem with the dictatorship is if your dictator is good, it's very, very good for you, like Lee Kuan Yew. If your dictator is a moron, you're screwed. What category do you think Modi falls under? Serious question. And, and also, the good intention dictators also become bad because somehow they get it in their head that, you know, the whole universe revolves around them. There's that hubris that settles in too. But, I mean, get let's get out of that mode. Let's just look at capability. What 
exact mental caliber are you ascribing to Narendra Modi? Or anybody in India who becomes a dictator. Do you really want to take a chance that you think you're voting on a Lee Kuan Yew and end up? This is what they thought in Iran. They thought they were getting rid of a dictator and getting a very good new dictator, Balayatollah Khomeini. What did he do? This is what they thought in Venezuela. They thought Hugo Chavez, Alag Saoudla. What did he do? So be very careful about these things, boss. At least in a democracy, you can get rid of a moron. In a dictatorship, you can't get rid of the moron. GD wants to know, Modi seems to be internet savvy, but even he is seeing the narrator war against Hindus from across the globe. Why is he not doing anything about that to counter Hinduphobia and Islamic propaganda? Because it's, first of all, his team... Uh, look, it was internet savvy till 2014. Since 2014, it is not internet savvy. They confuse information with statement, number one. Number two, there isn't a single narrative in the last eight years that they've won. Everything they've been behind on the international narrative war, without exception, not one. They've been behind on the international narrative war throughout. So clearly, he's not very savvy. Third, there is absolutely no need to counter Hindu phobia and things like that because it adds to votes. It's the same reason Zubair will not be arrested in spite of painting a target on a woman's head and getting 10-15 people killed. Apparently, it was the PMO itself that refused to go after Zubair. Why? Because he helps them get votes. The more people say abuse Hindus and Hinduism, you are stuck in a monopsony situation, you, a monopoly situation. You have nobody except the BJP to vote for. So you'll keep cursing the BJP, but you'll vote for the BJP. What makes you think that none of this, that any of this does not serve the BJP's purpose? The BJP in private, they love Mohammed Zubair and all Jews. In private, they love Peter Friedrich and all those people. In private, they love NDTV. I remember once a BJP leader told me if NDTV ko gali nahi denge, fir to humko, humko gali dena shuru kar denge. And that is the problem. So, even though Mohammed Zubair and Narendra Modi may seem to hate each other, they are perfectly complementary. They serve each other's interests perfectly. They are two sides of the same coin. Darsh Desai wants to know, what do you give a loser like Karl Marx his due? Because I've told you why. He got all his end state results correctly. He just got all his methods for getting to that end state wrong. Next question, please. Sainath wants to know, why doesn't the government or organization such as ISKCON with good funds fund ex-Muslim movement in India? Why should anybody fund an ex-Muslim movement anywhere? This government can't even protect its own spokesperson. Do you think they're going to protect ex-Muslims? And how exactly is ISKCON going to protect them? You need the force of law to protect them. Sai, you really need to get your fundamentals right, boss. Huh? You can't ask questions like this. This is a function of the police. Next question, please. Gargi call Raina again. Why did the Reconquista take so long? What lessons does it have for modern Europe, USA, India, and Australia, New Zealand in dealing with Islamism? How did it take that long? Kitana time lagata. Satsu It also see the Reconquista isn't a one this thing that it was Christendom against Islam. Huh? It was a very slow process. It was very complicated. You had lots of Christians fighting for Muslims. You had lots of Muslims fighting for Christians. There was all kinds of complications out there. Remember, the identities you ascribe today were not the identities in those days. Identity was a much, much more complex subject at that point of time. We only realistically know that this entire Christian versus them identity properly comes about in the 
1300s after the great plague before that it was an extremely complicated process you look at people like el cid uh you look at people like uh, uh what are now the grandees of spain the dukes of medina sidonia the dukes of medina sidonia were muslim medina should be a giveaway for you they're muslim they were originally muslim they're the second highest uh, ranked uh, nobility after the king and queen where they abolished nobility but they were the second highest ranked nobility uh, in spain for the longest period of time till the duchess of alba took over so it it wasn't such a clear process either there were very confused loyalties and remember at one point of time spain was a muslim majority country who were you conquering there was a lot of rebellion against reconquest and sometimes the reconquest wasn't even seen as a reconquest lots of issues there next question please dr 72 sarav wale is the brahma muhurtam same as first azan that is given early morning shri ji by then this logic the muslims might be using this perfect time i think the first azan is at 5 am if i remember correctly um what is your uh, recollection of the first azan uh, uh, abhijit 5 am it depends but right? i think so brahma muhurtam is one and a half hours before sunlight wherever the sunlight is so it changes a little bit from place to place for instance in some places where the sunrise is at 8 am it could be 6:30 am so it's slightly different from country to country next question please uh, abhijit you want to go for a little bit more time or you want to stop here let's stop here I'm getting a bit okay. dehydrated sure 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 so uh, we just will will give you uh, last week last episodes uh, questions are also to be answered some questions and uh, remaining from this also will be answered abhijit is back now hopefully his schedule is on a more predictable basis and uh, we'll work out a time with him and we'll get you all the answers thank you very much abhijit as always a pleasure to have you well well vetri well vetri well veeravel to you well well vetri well guys tata bye bye